Welcome. My name is Clinton Chard, and I am the DM and host for this Rise of the Rune Lords adventure. Uh, we've gathered together four amazing role players. We have, starting from my left to right, Connor. This is an introduction. We also have Aiden. Hey, how's it going? And Jeff. Hello, I'm the fifth player, not the very good role player. That would be me. And Nicole. What's up? And last but not least, Nathan. No, no, it's definitely least. Definitely least. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we are here to have a grand adventure. Going through Varician lands, ancient Thessalonian ruins, mountain peaks, and desert lands. Uh, we are started here in the city of Sandpoint. Coastal Sandpoint has faced few trials and dangers over the course of its 42-year history, but unfortunately, that is about to change. Unknown to the town's founders, they chose to build their community over the ruins of an ancient stronghold, once used as laboratory and prison. A place where horrific experiments and unholy explorations into what divides man from monster took place. These are the Catacombs of Wrath a place where arcanists explored and perfected the stolen arts of life-shaping and flesh-warping, one of several such sites used by Runelord Alasnist's apprentices during Thessalonian's height. When Thassalon fell, these catacombs went dormant, but the one buried under Sandpoint was not fated to stay that way. I'm going to uh, hand out experience, but it's going to be on the medium track. This one said to start out fast, but the last two times I've played this, the players got quickly too powerful. So I'm going medium, based on experience. Well, we are starting part one, Festival and Fire. For five years, the faithful of Sandpoint have attended church in temporary structures erected after fire destroyed the previous temple. And while their new religious leader was helpful, kind, and wise, the church wasn't the same. Now the new cathedral is finally done. All that remains is for Swallowtail Festival to renew the site's blessings from the gods, and it will be as if the Sandpoint fire had never occurred. So I guess we should talk about Varicia and where we are in the world. Golarian is like the, the term Earth for our world. Magnamar is the local metropolis. Literally tens of thousands of people there on the coast. And just up the coast about 50 miles, heading north from Nagnamar along the rocky coastline, quickly find themselves in a peculiar country. Fog drapes the rolling landscape, floating spectrally along damp and lonely moors. Small woodlands grace the region, their tangled depths redolent of nettles and pepperwood and pine sap, while further inland, river valleys lined by majestic redwoods wind between the ragged tors and limestone escarpments. The region's vastness and sense of isolation have earned it its local name, the Lost Coast. There are pockets of civilization along the Lost Coast. Traditional Varician campsites can be found in nearly every gulch and hollow along the cliffline reaches, and lonely houses sit upon bluffs now and then. Domiciles for eccentrics, or the rich seeking a bit of peace far from the bustle of Magnamar's streets. Roadside inns grace the Lost Coast Road every 24 miles or so, placed by virtue of the distance most travelers can walk given a day's travel. Low stones shrines to Desna, goddess of wanderers and patron of the Varicians, give further opportunities for shelter should one of the all-too-common rainstorms catch travelers unaware. 
Given time, any of these seeds of civilization could bloom into a full-grown town or even city. It's happened once already along the shores of a natural harbor, nestled among the cliffs some 50 miles northeast of Magnamar. What was once a larger-than-normal Varisian campsite in the shadow of an ancient ruined tower has become the Lost Coast's largest town. Sandpoint, the light of the Lost Coast. Passing through the bleak moor, between the brine stump marsh and the ashen rise, through the ashen moor, past the pyre, and crossing Cougar Creek, you see then Sandpoint and the old light. What's the ratio of races, like human being your stock race? Ah. In Sandpoint? In the area. Uh, Varicia, mainly human. Uh, Varicians wander the area in covered wagons. They have colorful scarves and head wraps, vests and white shirts, typically. As they travel from community to community, others that have moved into the area, like the Olfen, Chelish, and uh, those from the more traditional inner sea regions, are different than the Varicians. Varicians tend to cause trouble sometimes, from these other races' point of view, because they're traveling all the time and they're with their fiddles and accordions, making strange music and dancing into the night. And some even form criminal organizations called the Sharni, and they uh, tend to think that your stuff is their stuff, and they're very organized. So that's the Varisians. Think of um, the Northwest. It's very wet, mountainous, forested areas. Well, as one approaches the town of Sandpoint, the footprint of civilization upon the Lost Coast grows more clear. Farmlands in the outlying moors and river valleys grow more numerous, and a blue-green waters of the Varician Gulf bear more and more fishing vessels upon the waves. Passages over creeks and rivers is more often accomplished by wooden bridge than ford, and the Lost Coast road itself grows wider and better kept. Sight of Sandpoint from either approach, south or east, is kept hidden by the large upthrust limestone pavements known as Devil's Platter, and the arc of the rocky outcroppings and lightly forested hilltops that rise up just east of the town, just as the final bend of the road is rounded, Sandpoint's smoking chimneys and bustling streets greet the traveler with open arms and the promise of warm beds. A welcome sight indeed for those who have spent the last few days alone on the Lost Coast Road. From the south, entrance to Sandpoint is governed by a wooden bridge, while from the north, a low stone wall gives the town a bit of protection. Here, the Lost Coast Road passes through a stone gatehouse that is generally watched by one or two guards. The southern bridge is typically unattended. Aside from the occasional goblin, the citizens of Sandpoint have traditionally had little cause to worry about invasion or banditry. The region simply isn't populated enough to make theft a lucrative business. Hanging from a bent nail in both the gatehouse and the southern bridge is a sign and a mirror. Painted on each sign is the message, Welcome to Sandpoint. Please stop to see yourself as we see you. Now, Oler, a half-orc from Belkson. Belkson is from the east. It's actually directly to the east of Versia, the orc savage lands of this game. What does Oler see when he looks in the mirror? When Oler looks in the mirror, he sees a kind of freakishly tall orc. I just did everything based off of the stat rolls in the book, and I got 6'8". Mm-hmm. So wow. I'm, I'm getting close to reaching the large category of miniature, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Kind of jacked up as a monkey follows a pretty strict uh, regimen of various exercises and meditations. Aside from that, he's got dreadlocks and mutton chops, kind of a, a dark brownish hair. When I made the character, I was totally going off of the vantage of like the wise monk. So that's, that's what I'm going for. Uh, what kind of clothes is he wearing? Monk's robes. What color are they? 
I imagined an earthy, like an orange or a brown. Probably okay. orange. Let's go with orange. What brings Uller Burzum to Sandpoint? So Uller grew up in a monastery. It was a small little hamlet in Belkzin, which is a land usually devastated by all sorts of violence. It's kind of nice to find a little nook and cranny where you can peace out for a little bit. And some of the fauna of Belkson involves, like, giants. After rumor of Varusian planes being infested with them as of late, or at least having their numbers be on the rise, he wants to be able to be available should there be any assistance required. Well, thank you. So when Vraskin Serenfedwath, oh boy, I, I ruined that. Could you tell me how that's pronounced again? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's Serenfedwath. Serenfedwath. Okay. So what does Vraskin see in the mirror when he approaches, and where is he coming from? As he looks in the mirror, he first doesn't see much because uh, the top of his cloak is covering most of his eyes. But as he tips it back, he sees a uh, fairly tall, uh, blonde, blue-eyed, olfin, pale-skinned human, cloaked heavily in deep purple and blue and black robes, walking around with a, a large staff and a book in the hand, reading. Okay, so a, a learned fellow. Yes. Vraskin is from the land of the Lenorm kings up north. Why were you coming down here to this quaint little town of Sandpoint? Well, he is interested in becoming the next Lenorm king, and to do that, you have to slay a Lenorm, which is a giant draconic-like creature, a wingless dragon. And at the moment, that's a little too big for his britches. He heard about the uh, various monsters and whatnot and magical creatures down here. So he figured he'd stop by and start hunting those first and work his way up. And the reason why he's in Sandpoint is to get some research done on the area before heading out and uh, starting slaying things. Ah, so he has a quest for power. Uh, quest for knowledge and eventual power, yes, but he's not power hungry. He feels he can do better than the current king. I see. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. Brother Davros, hey. please describe what he sees as he approaches the uh, the town of Sandpoint. Hailing from Crying Leaf, the elvish village to the north, a five foot ten half elf wearing well kept scale mail and a long, rich, dark brown with gold trim cloak, carrying a scimitar at his hip as well as a morning star. Remarkably human in appearance, despite his prominent pointed ears, a dirty, mousy, gray crop of hair announces his human side. Although some slight in the cheekbone and jawline, his narrow, small, grayish eyes and tan skin mark him as remarkably human. Okay. He has a habit of speaking quietly, constantly muttering to himself as if speaking to someone else. But we'll get into that later. Okay. Never knew my father. Mother was elvish. Embraced a faith by discovering a very strong-willed woman, a cleric of Serenray, who passed through. Fell in love, became engaged, and was about to be married when she vanished. Disrought and not being able to accept the fact that she may have left him, he's convinced himself that she's died. For the very next morn that she left, he swears up and down that her ghost whispers to him, constantly prodding him along the path of Saren Ray and beating him down for his disabilities, his inadequacies, as well as his general lack of confidence. 
one thing did remain from the ex-fiance, a very, very, very strong interest in faith. Now, although he worships a singular faith of Saren Ray, he has read up on as many different faiths as he can and embrace not only the aspect of healing through Saren Ray, but is interested in sort of the collective pantheon of the region. So upon hearing a new cathedral built holding six dominant faiths here in Sandpoint, he just had to see it for himself. And so beginning on his traveling road in his first adventure, headed south on foot, and here he is at the North Gate. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right, uh, Nicole, you have Riel. Yes, I do. All right. So what does Riel see when she approaches? Or is she from here? Uh, she is from here. She's she's lived here for a handful of years now. Okay. This quaint little water town, this fishing village. What do we see? She is a, well, as a halfling, quite a small person. <laughs> Two foot eight or so. Short, wild, curly red hair and blue eyes. And she's uh, dressed in wispy, flowy skirt and top that are in an olive green and indigo shade. Okay. Taking a bit from the local Varisians. Yeah. She, she kind of acclimated to the, to the bohemian aesthetic. Right. Does she have a scarf like the other Varisians do? She does have one that she kind of wraps around her shoulders and back kind of uh, as okay. an adornment to her top. So you've taken on the Varician style. That's great. Okay. Uh, so why is she an adventurer? Well, she's not an adventurer yet, but she's fallen on quite a bit of hard luck. Because uh, she was married to a Fletcher and Bowyer, and their livelihood was their shop. And uh, while her spouse was recently killed, she doesn't have the skill with creating bows and arrows to keep that aspect going. You know, she was the materials gatherer, so she's really struggling with business right now, and she's at the end of her rope. Okay, I see. Did the death occur in the late unpleasantness? There was a rash of murders that occurred in Sandpoint, and people don't really like to talk about it. There was a, an old man named Jervis Stute, and he lived out outside of Sandpoint on the, some rocks just off the coast. And he would uh, come across and he would wander about the town looking for looking at posts or uh, shingles or other kind of fencing or any, some other kind of wood that had a local bird hidden within it. And he would do some chiseling and sculpting to release the birds from their imprisonment. And it, he became quite popular. Jervis was pretty specific on who he did or what, what fence post or lintel or steeple. Even if people said, hey, come come make one for me, he he would just uh, said, nope, nope. It's just uh, there ain't no birds in that wood for me to set free kind of guy. And uh, after a while, though, people started dying. They were chopped limb from limb. And uh, eventually they found that it was this guy, Jervis Stute, that was doing it. And it was shocking everyone. Could your beloved have fallen victim to Chopper? Pretty mysterious circumstances. Riel just found the body brutally hacked up and not much else to go on other than uh, finding a ring near the body with a crest that she did not recognize on it. And it was more recent than the last five years ago. Because that's say... when the late unpleasantness happened about five years ago. Less than two years. Okay. So 
Riel is uh, still struggling from this. Uh, her partner was murdered, and uh, that was the the shop was her love, right? Not yours. the The shop is falling in disrepair, and you're not producing quality goods, and and it's just frustrating and struggling, and everything's bad. Okay, you're looking for a change. All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. Oh, uh, that's me, Reeton. Where is he from? He's from a village outside of Jorgenfist. Jorgenfist, okay. What brings him to Sandpoint, and what do we see? You see a uh, very short, four-foot-tall dwarf with a bald head and a big red beard. Basically, his village was attacked by giants, and the majority of the village was destroyed. Him and his family, after they fought back the giants went to Sandpoint to basically fortify them up because there's not a lot of defense there. So they want to help out if the giants do go and attack Sandpoint. Okay. And uh, obviously, being a dwarf, he hates giants anyway, and then they also attacked his village. Is he a giant slayer? Yes. I'm a barbarian, and I have the feet of giant slayer. Uh, what kind of weapon do you wield? It is a dwarven Yurgosh. Dwarven Urgosh. Uh Okay. I'm having trouble remembering what that looks like. It's a double weapon, an axe head and a spear point on opposite ends of a long haft. Well, that is our team of adventurers as they have approached into Sandpoint. We have some from the north from the Lost Coast Road and some from the south and some from inside. Perfect. So you have arrived at the brand new cathedral and it happens to fall on the Swallowtail Festival, which is held on the autumnal equinox, generally on the 22nd or 23rd of the month of Rova. The Swallowtail Festival is beginning quite early as you wander in in the early morning. The square before the church quickly becomes crowded as locals and travelers arrive, and several merchant tents featuring food, clothes, and local crafts and souvenirs are there to meet them. The turnout for the opening speeches is quite respectable, and the four keynote speakers each deliver short but well-received welcomes to the festival. Mayor Deverin, her friendly attitude and excitement prove contagious as she welcomes visitors to town and jokes about how even Lars Rovanki, the local tanner and notorious workaholic, managed to tear himself away from the tannery to attend much to everyone's amusement, except Lars's who crosses his arms and grimaces. Sheriff Bellor Hemlock brings the crowd down a bit with his dour mood, his reminder to be safe around the evening's bonfire, and his request for a moment of silence to remember those who have lost their lives in the fire that claimed the town's previous church several years ago. The next speaker is scheduled to be a local nobleman, Lanjiku Kaijitsu, but a sudden illness has prevented him from attending the ceremony. This isn't something that surprises the locals, given Lanjiku's well-known dislike of frivolity in festivals. Sandpoint's own showman, Seardrak Drakus, is more than up to the challenge of bringing the crowd's mood back up with his rousing anecdotes. He delivers a not-completely-irreverent recap of the long process the town went through to finance and construct the new cathedral. He throws in a bit of self-promotion at the end as is his wont, inviting everyone to stop by the Sandpoint Theater the following evening to check out his new production of The Harpy's Curse, revealing that the lead role of Avisira, the Harpy Queen, will be played by none other than the famous Magnamarian diva, Alishanda. Finally, Father Xantus steps up to give a short speech, thanking everyone for coming before declaring the Swallowtail Festival underway. 
numerous games and contests are taking place during the day, including sack races, games of hide and seek, weightlifting challenges, balance beam contests, tug of war events, and the like. Now, you guys can take part in as many or as few of these games as you wish. I would like I'm to sorry. do tug of war. Yeah, I'd be down for all of those if they're actively going on about town. All right. So who is tug of war? Nathan. Nathan. Oler, both, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll start with there. I guess we can just line people up here in front of the stage. And all of these characters you see here, these are all named NPCs. They all actually exist in shop owners or whatever, and they're available to speak with, or they're just all milling about and chatting. Sweet, legal targets. I jump on stage and put Father Xanthus into a headlock. <laughs> no, not really. That's right. If he's got a name tag on his shirt, he's worth XP. Go nuts. <laughs> we all get together and just, and just murder everyone in the town hall. So there's a, a, a half-orc in monk's robes, first in line. He's massive. He is the line. Everyone else starts to line up opposite him. <laughs> We've got Titus Scarnetti, one of the nobles lining up. We've got Banny Harker. Uh, we've got even his girlfriend, Katrine Vinder. Lars Rovanki is not. He is not going to line up, looking on with derision. Who else is going to line up with this half-orc? He's got the whole town against him so far. Braskin will. Vraskin lines up and stands behind the, the large half-orc. All right. Uh, who else? It would be really funny for Riel to try it, but I don't think she would help at all. <laughs> it would be funny because she would just be dangling there from the rope. Yeah. <laughs> You're not helping. I was thinking it would just be Uller versus versus Reeton, the tug-of-war. Oh, you would just hope one on one. We mono-challenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, are you calling me out? Yes. Being a dwarf, I have to show that I'm better than the half-orc. He's just jealous because I have a full head of luscious hair. Whatever, yeah. you don't have a beard as good as mine. I have oh, mutton chops. Not a full Thank beard. Thank you very much. Doesn't need to be a full beard. You're going down, dwarf. <laughs> Father's emphasis. All right, let's keep it civil. He holds his hand up. Begin! So you take hold of your rope and begin pulling. Both of you make strength checks. I got a nine. The half-orc was caught by surprise at the ferocity that Reeton begins pulling on that rope, just pulling and pulling and pulling, and quickly moves forward five feet, pulls you close. If he does it one more time, he'll win. So I'd like a new check. Hit a 14 this time. Again, Reeton yanks harder than Oler can possibly imagine and yanks him off balance, and Reeton wins. Yay! Yay! The crowd go, ah! They go crazy and start screaming, and uh, they're all wanting to know Reeton's name. Who beat this huge half-orc, this dwarf? His sturdiness obviously overpowered the monk. See, I think what really happened here is he's just lower to the ground. You know, he's closer <laughs> to the earth. His center of balance is obviously way crazier off of mine. This whole thing is rigged. Shenanigans. Yeah, well, I would win a beard contest, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> the trash talking does not stop. <laughs> All right, anyone else want to participate in an event? There's the balance beam. Riel, go ahead and roll. I rolled a 15 in acrobatics. Yeah, you probably got more than that. That's just a flat 15. Jan's yeah, not good I, enough. I, I, she I has an acrobatics of nine, normally. So oh, add so nine to that 15. So 24, how'd she do? 
fantastic. Probably unbeatable. Yay! <laughs> yeah, you were doing flips. Uh, you yeah. stood up on one hand. I rolled a three on my acrobatic attack. Awesome. I think I'm just going to show myself to the nearest. <laughs> oh, no. Uller, he gets up on the balance beam. He doesn't fall, but it's it looks like he's just trying to hold himself steady. Just standing there. And, of course, no one is uh, impressed. I actually have plus five to acrobatics. Riton goes in there, gets on the balance beam, gets an 18. Ooh. That's nowhere as good as Riel's. Riel's don't want to do it again? You don't want to do it Yay. again, Oler? <laughs> no. You don't want to redo a mulligan? <laughs> you get breaking rights for the rest of the day. Yay! Yeah. Hooray! Riel is going to approach the two gentlemen, and she's uh, going to congratulate them on, on good competition. You know, uh, she's going to ext- extend her hand for a handshake. I'll, I'll shake her hand. Why not? Pick What's some narts for guys as big as you to try this. Nice. I'm Riel. What's your name? I'm and you, sir. <laughs> oh, she, she turns to Uller and says, and you, sir. Uller. And she shakes his hand. Pleasure to meet you. You balance well. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you love forced dialogue at level one? (laughs) (laughs) I want to do a drinking game. Oh, drinking game. Perfect. I'm a dwarf. I want to do a drinking game. And I'll challenge the half-orc and the half-ling to a drinking game. I wasn't going to do that game, but if I'm being challenged, I guess I have to. Perfect. The drinking game is sponsored by the Two Night Brewery. You want to go there tonight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to go? That was to... bad, half orc. That was that was good, but but that's the local. What they say. You want to go tonight? Yes. <laughs> All right. So you uh, head on over to their tent that they've temporarily set up. Drinks are being poured. It's some local brew. Let's have some checks. Constitution checks. So Reeton gets a eighteen. I got a nine. A nine and twenty-two. I'm a monk. I don't usually drink. I thought this was going to be a water chugging competition. <laughs> oh, <love it. laughs> the guy that's into self-perfection is—he totally blows half the. What, how many? How many contests have you failed now? Three. <laughs> <over> three. three. <laughs> and now he's getting drunk at a table by a halfling who's already topping the dwarf's roll. That's awesome. We're going to call you the paper monk. Try to keep up, boys. All right, and so the the crowd rolls a sixteen. So Riton beats out everyone else, including Uller, except for Riel, who chugs down five pints easily with no sweat. Doesn't even appear drunk. You know what they're going to be saying tonight, Dwarf? They're not going to be saying how the Dwarf beat the Half-Orc. They're going to be saying how the Halfling beat the Dwarf. And I hold out my fists to bump out Riel's. I'm not going to leave him hanging. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right. Hopping three feet off the ground. (sighs) Can't quite reach it. Yes. Exactly. My closed fist is the size of your skull. Let's well, said, do this. He said hold it out, not hold it down. The guy's six foot eight, so like what's what's a six foot eight man holding his fist straight out? Like six feet off the ground. <laughs> See, I, wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if we were standing or sitting because Holy if we're sitting, six, three, the six, height four. difference wouldn't be a set. At that point the height difference depends on if we have like high chairs sitting out for halflings. Okay, you know what? How about how about just for the sake of this, Riel is standing in her chair. <laughs> it's adorable. Perfect. All right, wow. so she stands tiptoey. She reaches up high, fist bumps Uller back. He has to kind of lower a little bit just to do that. Very nice. Well, Reeton, this is not a good day for drinking for you. Yeah, I'll extend my hand to the halfling and tell her, good job, little lady. I wasn't expecting you to outdrink me. You've earned my respect. Perfect. <laughs> well, you did give me a run for my money and on the balance beam, so payback. 
<laughs> Brother Davos right. is completely enraptured with the cathedral. Ever since he came around the corner and saw it, he's just on the steps, staring up at it, just taking it all in. Everything else is just like muted behind him. Would you like a description of the cathedral? Okay. Easily the largest building in Sandpoint, this massive and impressive cathedral is also the town's newest structure. Built over the foundations of the previous chapel, Sandpoint Cathedral is not dedicated to the worship of a single deity. Rather, it gathers under its eaves the six most commonly worshipped deities in the region. Abadar, Desna, Erastal, Gozre, Serenre, and Shellen. The building provides chapels for all of these deities in a communal form. In a way, Sandpoint Cathedral is six different churches under one impressive roof. Yet even the previous chapel wasn't the first holy site in this location. The core of both the original chapel and the new cathedral is an open-air courtyard surrounding a set of seven standing stones, which themselves surround a circular stone altar. These stones serve the Verisians for centuries as a place of worship, although they generally venerated Desna and various imperial lords at these stones, the stones themselves have a much older tradition. Unknown to anyone alive today, including yourselves, but yet you still know this. The seven standing stones once represented the seven Thessalonian schools of magic and served as a focus for wizards who wished to direct the destructive power of the nearby Hellstorm Flume. Of course, to you guys, you have no clue that was the case. No one in Sandspoint suspects the Standing Stones are anything more than an ancient site of worship. Verician oral tradition maintains that the Seven Stones represent the Seven Towers of Desna's otherworldly palace. But this is merely a story perpetuated by early Verician seers eager to hide yet another bit of their homeland's destructive history. The original chapel built here was a collection of six different shrines, each its own building and connected to the worship or the others by open air walkways. Desna's worship was incorporated into these shrines as part of the peace accord with the local Versians, but the original builders included five other deities as well. Four of these, Abadar, Gozre, Serenre, and Shalin, were patrons of the original founders of the Sandpoint Mercantile Consortium, while the fifth, Arastal, was the most popular among the initial settlers. When the chapel burnt to the ground several years ago, Mayor Deverin set into motion a bold initiative. Not only would the chapel be rebuilt, but it would be rebuilt on a grand scale. A cathedral would be constructed in place of the chapel, and it would be made of stone and glass. Funding for this project came partially from the founding families, partially from Sandpoint Business, eager to earn favor in the eyes of the gods, and partially from the respective churches. It took years to finish the cathedral, but the end result is truly impressive. To the south, facing Sandpoint's heart, are the Shrines of Civilization, Arastal and Abadar. To the west, offering a view of the old light and the sea beyond, are the shrines of Shalin and Gozra. And to the east, offering a view of the Sandpoint Boneyard and the rising sun, are the shrines of Serenray and Desna. The previous chapel hosted fewer than a dozen acolytes, led by a well-loved cleric named Ezekian Tobin, who, sadly, perished in the fire that claimed the church, along with his daughter. The new high priest of Sandpoint is his most accomplished student, a pleasant man named Abstalar Xantus. Himself a worshipper of Desna, Abstalar is very open about matters of faith and has slipped into the role of advisor for worshippers of other gods of Sandpoint with ease. But yeah. the doors are closed right now, right? The doors are closed, okay. yes. So Although people do 
go in and out during the festival. Davros is muttering to himself and basking in the glory of the new stone structure. Every bit impressive as he told it would be. Excellent. I'm glad he enjoys it. Father Zentis is beaming proudly as he sees another priest who he has not seen before wandering about. But he's not ready to talk to you quite yet. He's still conducting business. No, he's my guy's having a nerdgasm. He's got like, his head's thrown back. He's foaming at the mouth. Like it just this place is huge. Never seen anything like it. This is nothing like you know the villages and things he's seen in his lifespan. Yep. Breskin, what holds your interest? The steps. Is in chairs. You just want to sit, sit down and read. So he's, the... he's waiting for the uh, weightlifting contest. The weightlifting contest. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you, you have to keep your physical body as sharp as your mental body. I see. Okay. I'm not sure that one is scheduled for today, but you're more than welcome to start one. No, he, he was going to do the uh, tug of war, but then it was the one-on-one, and then that stopped. He was like, all right, I'll see if there's any others going on. And there wasn't any. He doesn't feel too proactive to go start one, so he's going to continue reading. Well, it's about lunchtime, and at noon... Father Xantus and his acolytes wheel a large covered wagon into the square. And after recounting the short parable of how Desna first fell to earth and was nursed back to health by a blind child whom she transformed into an immortal butterfly as a reward for her aid, they pull aside the wagon's cover, releasing a thousand children of Desna, a furious storm of swallowtail butterflies that swarm into the air in a spiraling riot of color to a great cheer from the crowd. Throughout the rest of the day, children futilely chase butterflies, never quite quick enough to catch them. Me too, me too. <laughs> Anyone else want to frolic? No, I'll sit this one out, thanks. I've lost a tug of war, I've lost a balancing, I've lost a drinking. I don't think I can handle the ego loss if I lose to butterfly collecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, um... nobody can actually catch them, so it's okay. Brother Dalfos is practically dancing, two hands spread high towards the sun, circling, just enraptured, wow. loving this, absolutely loving this festival. Perfect. Well, lunchtime is provided free, actually, at the expense of Sandpoint's taverns. Each brings its best dishes. This event is as much a marketing push by the taverns to win uh, new customers as it is to feed a hungry crowd. It soon becomes apparent that the darling of the lunch is, once again, Amiko Kaijitsu, whose remarkable curry-spiced salmon and early winter drop mead easily overshadow the other offerings, such as the hagfish's lobster chowder or the white deer's peppercorn venison. Amiko Kaijitsu is the owner and proprietor of the Rusty Dragon, a very adventurer-friendly bar and tavern. Any other festivities that people want to participate in? We've got, oh, there is a weightlifting challenge. Oh my gosh, there is one. So let's get that started. Yeah, Drunk Reeton will go and do a weightlifting challenge. <laughs> Drunk Reeton and Vraskin, Brother Davos is chasing butterflies. If it's happening around me, I'll get pulled in this time. Riel, are you interested? Yeah, Riel's going to spectate on this one as well. Can I oh. sit this one out? Have oh. you seen my stats? My strength is terrible. <laughs> All right, let's roll twice because there are going to be two heats. Take the highest of the two. Let's start with Reeton. What'd you end up with? I ended up with 17. All right. Vraskin? 22. Brother Davros? My best is 22. One member of the crowd, I think it's a half-orc named uh, Gorvi, got a 20. So the 22s, we have a tie between Vraskin and Brother Davros. The casters. <laughs> Not the warriors. The casters. Right. <laughs> I just got drunk, man. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> At least I beat the half-orc. <laughs> At least I beat the half-orc, okay. <laughs> All right, Brother Davros. 21. Ah, bless it. Saren Ray was shining down on you this day, Davros, for That's you great. lifted more weight than anyone else in this town. You are definitely the winner of the weightlifting contest. Not bad for a 135-pound half-elf. <laughs> Not bad. You shocked everyone. I, I, everyone's <laughs> is everyone like staring at him? He's not used to being the center yeah. of attention. <laughs> Realizing yeah. what he yeah. does. Yeah. Um, a, a cheer from the crowd as as uh, people are shocked and surprised that the again there was bets on the side that heavy on the dwarf, heavy on the half work, but the you were not in the running at all. And so uh, some people lost money, some people made some money. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank thank you everyone. Thank you. Uh, I'm here all week. Thank you. Try the buffet. <laughs> no, 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 darling. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Sorry. Thank nice. you. All right. Finally, as the sun begins to set, Father Van Zantis takes the central podium, uses a thunderstone to attract everyone's attention, and clears his throat as he prepares to recite the prayer of first dreaming. Unfortunately... Something else is going to happen. A sharp retort like the crack of distant thunder slices through the excited crowd as the sun's setting rays paint the western sky. A stray dog has crawled under a nearby wagon to sleep, starts awake, and the buzz of two dozen conversations quickly hushes as all heads turn toward the central podium where a beaming Father Zantus has taken the stage. He clears his throat, <clears throat> takes a breath to speak, and suddenly a woman's scream slices through the air. A few moments later, another scream rises, then another. Beyond them, a sudden surge of strange new voices rise. High-pitched, tittering shrieks that sound not quite human. The crowd parts and something low to the ground races by, giggling with disturbing glee as the stray dog gives a pained yelp and then collapses with a gurgle, its throat cut open from ear to ear as blood pools around its head. The raucous sound of a strange song begins, chanted from shrill, scratchy voices. Goblins chew and goblins bite. Goblins cut and goblins fight. Stab the dog and cut the horse. Goblins eat and take by force. Goblins race and goblins jump. Goblins slash and goblins bump. Burn the skin and smash the head. Goblins hear and you be dead. Chase the baby, catch the pup, bonk the head to shut it up. Bones be cracked, flesh be stewed, we be goblins, you be food! 